0: Hello, and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour, SB Nation's premier and only NFL podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. I had to think about that for a second, but it's still (laughs) true today. And with me, as always, Danny Kelly, Stephen White. It's been a week. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing great. Doing awesome.
0: Excellent. (laughs) Well, we're two weeks into the season. Um, I guess it's probably too early to either um, anoint the next Super Bowl winner or panic if your team uh, (coughs) Seahawks are (laughs) 0-2 so far?
1: Yeah, it's way too early. What are you talking about?
0: Is there anything like just like the first two weeks of the season that really like, I mean, like the Colts, I guess the Colts and the Seahawks. um, The Eagles. the, The Eagles. I mean, what's been the most surprising thing for you guys?
1: I think for me, the Eagles have been the weirdest um, just because I was expecting them to be so much better on offense. And this particular in the run game, they've just been atrocious. Um, so I think that was that's been really surprising. Uh, you know, I think for the Seahawks, it's been surprising. It's not super surprising. They're and 2 because they had a tough opening schedule, but it's been surprising how bad they've been on defense. Um, they're giving up 30 points a game and then they've also I think they're giving up so like, so like third to last in points per drive so their, their defense has just been really bad um and you know probably part of that has to do with cam being gone cam chancellor yeah um but i don't think that's like the whole reason you know there, there's other things going on there that are pretty disconcerting so they got a lot of work to do in order to kind of get back to where they've been especially on defense i think their offense is kind of it's going to be all right but but the defense is more worrisome to me
2: yeah steven well, I think the Baltimore Ravens being zero two is, is pretty shocking to me. Yeah. Uh, now, first you know they're going against the Broncos, and and that's a very strong team, and it was a defensive battle. Could have went in, either way. Then come back and lose to the Ra- Raiders <laughs> last week. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and no offense, Raider fans, I, you know I know all five of y'all jump <laughs> on my Twitter. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know that, that that seemed like a game to bounce back from, and instead they got buried.
0: Yeah, it really did. And then to some credit to the Raiders, because the Raiders have been a little better, I think, than a lot of people are sort of used to. But but that Ravens, you've got to be a little worried about the Ravens if you're a Ravens fan, because it's just really not Ravens-like performances to start the season so far.
1: They've been bipolar. They, the first game, their offense was terrible, and their defense played really well. And then the second game, their defense couldn't get a stop against Derek Carr um their offense was uh much better in the second game so they need to like get those you know put those back put put get both of them going at the same time or else they're in trouble
0: have you guys known i mean so i was just thinking about this yesterday i was uh, you 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 go through the list of like this the struggles so far the, the the eagles the seahawks the saints the ravens The Lions are another 0-2 team that I think is kind of a surprise too. Have you noticed – now think back to March. Think back to March and that crazy fucking first week of free agency. (laughs) And all the big signings, all the big trades. Remember that like there was that, what, 90-minute window where you had the Foles-Bradford trade, you had the um, Nagata-Lions trade, and uh, the Jimmy Graham-Seahawks trade. (laughs) all three of those moves, all three of those moves have been really, really underwhelming so far this year
1: yeah, I think uh you know people are freaking out about Jimmy Graham this week, and I don't really blame him because that was a national game and and he only got two targets and all that, but it, the way that they used him in week one, I think was totally fine, mm-hmm. so I'm not actually too worried about the Graham thing yet um there's kind of like this perception that you know, he's going to turn the Seahawks into the greatest show on turf or something like that. Um, but you know, him getting five catches, four or five catches a game that kind of, you know, that, that equals out to 80 catches on a year. And so he had six catches and a touchdown in week one. Um, you know, you obviously you worry a little bit that they didn't do much with him in week two, but, um, you know, I just think it's it's making a pretty big judgment based on one game that you know they don't know how to use him or whatever, especially because they already got a red zone touchdown out of him. Um, yeah. You know, doing exactly what he did in in New Orleans in terms of you know lining up outside and running a one on one route and beating the guy. So mm. um, yeah, I'm not particularly worried about the Graham thing quite yet. I mean, if they if they continue to only get him two or three targets a game, then then yeah, that's that's a terrible trade, but based on, you know, two weeks, one week was really good, one week was bad, so, so kind of, I think the jury's still out on that, um, but I mean, yeah, the the other ones are interesting, especially in, in Indy with, with Frank Gore and uh, Andre Johnson, and some, you know, that, that, the early returns for that are not very good, and obviously, Frank Gore's not going to fumble without getting touched on the one yard line, um, very often, but, I mean, that was, that, that just looked pretty bad um, for them, and, and their offense has just been stagnant, so. It'll be interesting what happens there
0: yeah very much so uh let's 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 talk about indianapolis a little bit because i think that's really been now they were zero and two to start the season last year but they were much closer games i mean they lost in week two to the eagles last year by three points they lost to the broncos in week one last year by a touchdown i mean it wasn't those were right. close games and they weren't you know they were sort of decided in the last minutes but really it's been a different story with the Colts this season. And then you had after the Monday night game, you had sort of the famous, you know, Pagano came out and talked about, you know, made kind of the veiled shots at the general man. He's like, well, we've had three years of bad offensive line play. And then, you know, kind of calling out Andrew Luck, too, a little bit by, you know, with the turnover issues. and it could, Because Luck's, you know, he's had turnover issues in his first three years in the league for as good as he's been otherwise. But uh, I think that really shocked a lot of people. What you Steven, you watch this Colts team, what's the matter with them?
2: Well, I think mostly is that they played two pretty good defenses. Yeah. Um, now, once again, Andrew Luck has to make better decisions. You know, and particularly uh, the, the pick he throws to Darrell Revis, it, it, it's an out route, and it's late, and it's after he kind of floated to his right to avoid the rush. There, there's so many reasons why you don't throw that pass. Yeah. And we'll start off with it being Darrell Reeves who's covering the rookie. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's an obviously wrong decision there. And he's made too many of them over the course of the first two games. Now, he can get away with that against most defenses, but man, that Jets defense is as good as advertised. You know, I watched it on the on the coach's tape, and, and you get so enamored with all the blitzing they're doing up front, you forget the guys they have on the back end defending and covering. And so even when the rare time, when Andrew Luck had time, guys still weren't open. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty good defense he's going against. Uh, The first week, you know, uh, the Bills, Rex Ryan blitzed the hell out of them. So, you know, I don't think that's indicative of how their season is going to go because most teams don't have defenses that are that good. But at the same time, as Chuck Bogano rightly said, Andrew Luck has to make better decisions with the football, or it won't matter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can't win defensive like slugfest like that when you turn the ball over that many times. I and mean, that's like that's just the way to lose those kind of defensive battle type games. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I agree totally. I think the Jets are for real. Their defense, particularly, their offense has been better than you know you think and. Brandon Marshall in that offense has been really good. You know, he carried, like, three guys five yards into mm-hmm. the end zone. Um, you know, and plays like that are uh, exactly why they wanted to go get him. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, the, the Jets are definitely surprising how how effective they've been.
0: Yeah, and, you know, think about it, too, with the Jets. They don't, I mean, they still don't really have their full complement of players yet either <laughs> on defense.
1: Yeah, they're only going to get better. I, I, lo- I really like Bowles. I think his defensive schemes are really fun to watch. And, you know, they, they take chances, but they also are really sticky in terms of coverage in the back end. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're exciting to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I was just looking at, and going back to the, the, the Colts, I was looking at Luck, too. He's, I mean, 54% of his passes right now is what he's completing.
1: Yeah, it hasn't been pretty. I
2: mean, yes. well,
1: you
2: know, yeah. the, the thing but, is, the bills blitzed him literally yeah. almost 50% of the times he dropped back to pass. And I haven't counted it yet, but I imagine the ratio was even higher with the Jets. Jets were sending people from yeah. everywhere. He had to think it was folks coming from the sideline at times. Yeah. So, you know, you're not going to have a high completion percentage, no matter who you are, if somebody blitzed you that many times, you, you just can't do it.
0: No, and especially when your top guys are covered up by, you know, like last, there were Monday night with Revis and Scrine, and, you know, it's just, it's hard to complete a pass to T.Y. Hilton or Andre Johnson, as good as those guys may be, when they're covered by cornerbacks like that, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, um, what, um, are you more surprised by the Colts
2: being 0-2 or the Eagles being 0-2? Steven. I'd say the Colts. You know, I, I haven't bought into this whole Chip Kelly thing at all. Yeah, And so offseason, I said, the, these were dumbass things he was doing with his personnel on, on both sides of the football. It didn't make sense. And it was going to come back to bite him in the ass. And now, you know, they got a team that's basically a bunch of mercenaries. You got a, a, a quarterback you traded for, running back you signed a free agency. None of these guys look like they have, uh, you know, any kind of chemistry going between them. And you know your rookie uh, a wide receiver alcohol, Al- who's very very talented, looks to be getting frustrated all throughout the game because he's getting open, and Sam Bradford is not getting him the football. Yeah. So you know it's just a mess. You try to throw all this stuff together, get rid of some pretty good parts, uh, you know, on the offensive line in the in the in the backfield and what have you, and, and this is what you get. So you know I was much more uh, confident that the coach would at least split between you know the Bills and the Dets, but you know, I, I kind of foresaw. Now, now, the only thing about it is I didn't foresee the Eagles losing to the Cowboys after they already lost Dez Bryant and ended up losing Tony Romo. That I did not foresee. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely saw them starting off pretty slowly this year.
0: Yeah, and that was really the surprise because Byron Maxwell has been terrible. Yeah. That corner for the Eagles. Now, Danny, more surprised by the the 0-2 Colts or the 0-2 Eagles?
1: Um, Gosh, that's tough. Honestly, I I was really surprised the Colts lost at home uh, last week against the Jets. But that said, I think I'm more surprised that the Eagles have been so inept. Um, I mean, as you said, Byron Maxwell's had a really rough start, which is surprising to me because you know I watched him in Seattle Mm -hmm. for two years. He was a really good player in the system. You know, disciplined, it didn't get beat over the top. I think he only got beat over the top one time in two years, and it was like a miraculous, like, one handed catch that he actually hit or he actually deflected in the end zone. So it's like, I've watched him for two years never get beat over the top, and then all of a sudden he goes to Philly and, like, he's getting just burned. Um, and I watched the, the coach's tape on that last night, and a lot of them, you know, two of them against the Falcons were Julio Jones just being a freak of nature. Um, and you can kind of understand that a lot of guys get beat pretty badly by Julio Jones. way well,
0: he makes those catches like I mean, that was the Giants game, but that one catch you had, man, was just like Jesus. Yeah,
1: yeah so I don't I don't know how bad you can feel about getting beat by Julio Jones. Honestly, I mean, obviously you want to, you prefer not to, but um, the 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 ones that kind of stood out to me is the, the Falcons ran a lot of these really long, deep crossing routes where he was in man coverage. So he's going all the way across the field chasing Roddy White or Julio Jones and I think they got him like four times on this. Um and you know that's just interesting because he's he's not really a man cover guy. Like he wasn't really that guy in Seattle. He he was definitely if anyone was going to play man coverage it was Richard Sherman, kind of like following a guy around. And so he was more of like a boundary cover or boundary, you know zone guy and that was kind of his specialty and, and use the sideline to you know kind of as an extra defender because that way you can kind of just like keep your eye in on the quarterback and all that and he's just not been doing that in Philly and I, I actually saw uh, I can't remember his name one a former Eagles player was was complaining about it actually saying that the Eagles are setting him up for failure because they're asking him to play too much man so it'll be interesting to see if they kind of like change that up going forward and, you know, cause they're, they're still a covered three team. Um, they, they do that anyway. So mm-hmm. they, they just kind of do that more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they want to do with that because he's just been kind of exposed already. Um, the, the touchdown they gave up to Brandon Whedon looked like to me, it was a cover zero. They had no help over the top and just got beat down the field. Um, so that was another interesting kind of choice in scheme, too. Like, they're not giving him any help over the middle. They just ran a slant route and he got beat. So, um, you know, obviously that's on him to not get beat deep. But it's definitely been interesting there in Philly. I mean, obviously, I haven't even gotten into the offense yet. But the Maxwell thing has been surprising.
0: Well, I, you know, I, I'm not the, – the thing about the Eagles that surprised me the least is – and this is not – is the Sam Bradford thing. I mean, you know, we saw five (laughs) years of Sam Bradford. Well, four years because he was injured all of last season with St. Louis. But, you know, I think that's the most confusing thing about Bradford from college prospect Bradford to NFL quarterback Bradford is the deep throw's just gone. Mm. Like, he's lost, you know, he hasn't, I mean, he's never had just that cannon arm. You go back to Oklahoma, but he's always been, you know, in college he was a really accurate deep ball thrower. I mean, he could hit guys deep where he needed to hit him, and he just, he won't do that now, and I don't know if that's just because, I mean, it's probably because, you know, he just got battered so much in St. Louis all those years behind so many terrible offensive lines, and he's not good under pressure, at least since, the, since he's been in the NFL, since I've really been watching him, he's not good under pressure at all, and that's something the Eagles have struggled with mm-hmm. offensively, because, you know, he's the guy that prefers to throw in that pocket area between the, the guards and the center, and he struggled with that, and he doesn't take a lot of deep shots. Well, he does take deep shots. they're not taking many deep shots at all right now in philadelphia, and then so when you don't do that, it's easier for a defense to kind of just box you up.
1: yeah I have noticed he, he, the deep shots that he takes, like you said they're not very accurate um, and then the ones that he's accurate on, the, the the receivers have dropped a bunch, he's had like five four or five really, really bad drops, that kind of like drive killing type drops that really set the Eagles offense back and it's almost like snowballing on them a little bit like they're starting to um, panic a little bit and that obviously never helps and he's kind of a rhythm passer I think yeah um, very much so and they just haven't had that ability to get into a rhythm other than you know two quarters against the Falcons so um, yeah they got they got some issues on offense and it doesn't just I mean not even the pass game uh, the run game has just been awful um, which is normally kind of one of their, you know, yeah. fortés or whatever. So, well, and year. that's
0: that. Going back to the free agent thing from earlier, it's like there's a team that spent big on free agent running backs. The Marco Murray has 11 yards. <laughs> Ryan <laughs> yeah. Matthews has one yard. It's it's he has a, one yard, or like four <laughs> yards, maybe. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, something they, like non. You know, I think there are four quarterbacks that have more rushing yards than the Eagles do so far this season.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I wrote about that last night. That should go up tomorrow. It's just uh, they've been getting beat up front at offensive line. You know, their their sweep type plays um, where they pull a center and a guard have just been getting like destroyed by penetration early on. Um, so they can't even get around to it, like out of the tackle box, basically. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know, even when they run like just zone or counter. Uh, those plays are getting beat up. It's it's just weird. They just can't, you know, they can't, they're not blocking people. Um, You know, and people are talking about how there was a rumor that, uh, you know, the Cowboys knew the plays that were coming and everything. Um, And Chip Kelly basically dispelled that and said, you know, they just need to execute, which I actually believe. I I mean, when you watch them try to block, it's like you just need to block. (laughs) Yeah. Like, they just need to start playing. So. Um, yeah, it was interesting watching them last night. I, I kind of did a deep dive on Philly a little bit. And so they're a team that is very surprising so far.
0: Well, you know, fortunately, uh, Philadelphia and the fans there are extremely patient. So I <laughs> suspect that everything will get worked out just fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, all right. Look, going back to uh, the first couple weeks of the season, um, I, I guess – are the are, are either of you surprised by the Saints' horrid start? Now, Stephen, you broke the Saints down a little bit because you were you know with the Haas of the week this week. You went to Jack Smith for the the Bucks, so you got a good look at the the Saints' offense there. What mm-hmm. what did you know? What do you notice about the Saints that why they're struggling this way?
2: Well, uh, you know the Bucks ended up with four sacks, yeah, on Drew Brees and numerous other hits. So. Protection has has obviously been an issue. Uh, I know uh, Alex Okafor got two sacks the week prior uh, for for the Cardinals. And normally Drew Brees is one of those quarterbacks that's pretty hard to sack. You know, he's always climbing the pocket. He's always got this good movement in the pocket. He can kind of feel the rush. But the guys have been getting there so fast, he really hasn't had an opportunity to escape. So uh, the protection has been a problem. I think timing has been an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, after he got sacked the second time by Jacque Smith, he also apparently sustained a, a, a shoulder injury. And you yeah. can see him kind of shaking his arm uh, right after the play. So uh, I think that might have affected his accuracy uh, throughout the game. Now, they did come back strong uh, uh, in the second half. You know, it was pretty much a blowout. And then the Bucks started turning the ball over and, and, and the Saints start, started uh, scoring to where, you know the last play if he gets the ball in there some kind of way and they score it's a top ball game, so it hasn't been all bad, but it took them a long time to get going uh Sunday against the bucks, and nobody I don't think anybody really expected that after the Bucs debacle against the uh Titans in the week one, yeah.
0: that's been yeah that was really surprising the bucks and then i think the bucks are right what, what's your impression of the bucks so far i mean i think that was really a surprise game for them but you know everyone just like going talking about the picks to bring it full circle the you know the bucks are probably a team that a lot of people have been banking on in their survivor pool this year but they had a pretty good game against the saints
2: um well yeah they they uh it was a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type situation, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, they couldn't do anything right against the Titans. Uh, we got sucked in on every single play-action pass. Uh, guys weren't tackling. You know, we couldn't figure out who to cover on, in man-to-man. And then everything kind of went right against the Saints for most of the game. Uh, you know, the Saints really couldn't get anything going until the Bucks started to turn the ball over uh, late in the second half. So you know, but for those turnovers, man, they, you know, the the Bucks were just dominant for most of the game against the Saints on defense, uh, knocking the ball out, getting takeaways, you know, interceptions, sacks. So you know, now you got to wonder, well, which one is the real D- Bucks defense? And I guess we're gonna find out this weekend against the Texans. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that'll be a good game. And the Texans here, another winless team that I think you know nobody really probably. Expected the Texans to be in the the running for a Super Bowl with the Ryan Mallett, Brian Hoyer, two headed monster at quarterback. <laughs> but um, the I think it's probably a little shocking that they're zero and two to start the season already. Was was that a surprise? I mean, what, did did they were they hasty in pulling the and giving Brian Hoyer the hook in Houston? I think
1: Steven
2: had some in- interesting thoughts on that. Well, I I actually thought they picked the wrong guy in the first place. Yeah. Um, And the Mm -hmm. reason being is because you know what you get with Brian Hoyer, but that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, we know that he is only going to go take you so far. Um, And we know that with Arian Foster being hurt the early part of the season, you needed somebody a little bit more dynamic under center, under center in my uh, estimation, if you were going to try to get anything going on offense. You know, Brian Hoyer is out there doing all the right reads and stuff, but at the same time, He's not throwing the ball to Nuck Hawkins, hardly at all. All of a sudden, you put in Ryan Mallett, guess who he's going to almost every play? Nuck Hawkins. Why? Because he's by far the best player on offense. So he understands that. Now, are you going to have to take the good with the bad with Ryan Mallett? Absolutely. And he he did a lot of bad things against the Panthers in his first start last week. Well, his first start of this season. But he also did some good things, too. And, you know, uh, they're going to be hurting this week because it looks like uh Hopkins is not going to be able to go i think he's still in the concussion protocol yeah. but i mean he's a guy who can push the ball down the field and he can make all the throws and he can be spectacular at times as well and that's what they need right now until they get Arian foster back until they can get their running game going they need somebody that can go out there and make plays for them on the center and i just don't think brian hoyer gives you that element to his game
0: yeah definitely and that's, yeah, I'm just looking at the Hopkins. They're optimistic is the official language they're using now about his uh, concussion. But he is still in the concussion protocol, and it's Thursday. So I wouldn't, you know, it's one thing to be optimistic. It's another thing to be realistic. So <laughs> that's a good motivational speech there.
1: Steven, are you worried about the, uh, the Bucks O-line versus, you know, Watt and Clowney and, and the Texans D-line?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the Panthers actually did a pretty decent job of uh, limiting uh, J.J. Watt's damage last last week. But here's how they did it. They they kept two running backs in the backfield a lot in shotgun. And then mm-hmm. they slid the line towards J.J. Watt, and they sent both running backs at uh, Jadavia and Clowney. And so you got a double-team on Clowney with the running backs, and you got basically the, the right tackle and probably the right guard most of the time on, on J.J. Watt, no matter where he lined up. So, you know, that was pretty smart. He still ended up with a sack. <laughs> you can't stop him completely, <laughs> I don't think, no matter what you do. But it was a pretty smart way of doing it. I don't think the Bucks can get away with it because they're not as much of a shotgun team as uh, the Carolina Panthers are. You know, the Carolina runs their spread, some read-offs and stuff with Cam as well. And so it makes sense for them to put two running backs in the backfield because it still might be run. If we do that, we don't really run out of shotgun much. I'm not sure we're gonna have a whole lot of success. I'm talking about the Bucks this weekend running the football anyway, even if you got three tight ends in the game, but surely not out of shotgun. So um, it, it's gonna be an interesting matchup. What I expect is the Bucks to do everything they can to kind of protect Jameis this week, and that includes running the ball a whole lot, uh, moving the pocket, you know, half rolls, and, and you know bootlegs and stuff of that nature, quick stuff out of, you know, get the ball out of the hands quick because the thing you don't want to do is have, you know, smothering him four or five times in a row and then he's looking for the rush for the rest of the game.
0: Mhm. All oh, looks like we've got another our second Sean Taylor comparison of the week, I believe. This was this is about Cam Chancellor. Last week's Sean Taylor comparison was uh, Mark Barron in St. Louis. So <laughs> this your weekly Sean Taylor comparison update right there. Real quick for you both. Hey, you know, another thing I wanted to ask real quickly about is, uh, uh, you know, I read Stephen's piece today. Obviously, we just, it just published on the site not too long ago as we we're recording this, uh, but a Thursday morning, um, a little bit about Washington's running game uh, against the Rams defense last week that was really successful. But one thing that really stood out about that was how they schemed for Aaron Donald, who is sort of a world-destroying defensive tackle. Maybe the best defensive player in the NFL right now. I know I'm a little biased on that, but uh, he's definitely up there. But the uh, Washington really washed him out. But anyway, that got me thinking about um, another defensive tackle who is usually considered sort of the world's greatest defensive tackle. And you really haven't heard a lot from Ndami Kong Su out of Miami this season. What's, um, have you guys noticed much here? Is there something going on? Is it just sort of a, a, a first two weeks sort of aberration or, or what?
1: I'll probably defer to Steven on that if he's watched him. I haven't watched him closely yet other than to hear that apparently he's freelancing. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's actually happening or not, but
2: that's the that was the rumor. Well, uh to be honest with you, I, I l- watched a little bit of it. Here's the thing, and I said this when free agency before free agency even started. You got to understand what you're getting with Endomicon suit. Mm-hmm. Right? He's not the guy who's going to get you 15 sacks, probably ever. Right. You know, he's not a double-digit sack guy. That's not really his thing. And, and, you know, you got to kind of be careful because that's what people expect. You give a guy $100 million, he better get, you know, double-digit sacks. But that's never really been what he's about. He's this big, tough guy, strong guy, runs over the guard every play, lines up in the same place pretty much 90% of the time. He's going to be over the right guard and he's just going to try to wreck shot. And that's going to have a positive effect on your defense for the most part. But it's not necessarily always going to show up on the stat line.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
2: here's the thing about Miami, as opposed to Detroit. You know, Miami runs a little bit more structured type defense. Kind of like what I'm used to back when I played for the Bucks. Everybody has a gap. You're supposed to stay in it. And, you know, generally, if there's a big one, it's because somebody was out of their gap. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, in Detroit they kind of more so just get up the field and we'll figure it out on the fly. You know, the linebackers kind of play behind their defensive line. And just, you know, if if Sue was supposed to be in the A-gap and end up in the B-gap, well, I'll just fall back in the A-gap where he was supposed to be. So um, I think this might be where some of the freelance talk comes from. But look, he looks like the same exact guy. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's uh, getting pushed. Uh, he, he's got his bull rush going. He got cut a little bit. More than I, I've seen him get cut uh, in the first game against Washington. But I haven't seen anything that makes me say, oh man, he looks you know, much worse than he ever has before. He looks like the same guy. Mm-hmm. He just isn't necessarily making plays right now.
0: Well, I think what's so most surprising about Miami's not, I mean, and again, with two weeks, it's kind of, I mean, some of the variable is, is in the opponents you played. And they played Washington. They won that game in week one, 17 to 10. And they played Jacksonville last week, lost. 20 to 23 Miami's defense isn't allowing just a ton of points I mean I think in fact right now they're averaging 16 and a half points a game which is uh, fifth it. or sixth best in the <laughs> NFL and uh, but what's more surprising about that I was just looking at the numbers since we were talking about so was that they've only had one sack as a team so far this season
1: yeah that's like the that was like the Rams starting out the year last year with no sacks even though they had crazy amounts of talent yeah
0: I bet be, that'll
1: I bet that'll normalize as the year goes on, though. You know. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and they're playing Buffalo this week, which will be interesting because I think the biggest thing about Miami that's such a to me has been since the the Joe Philbin era started has been that offense that just can't ever. You know, despite having some weapons, despite having some good schemes behind it, they just can't ever. They just can't ever take that next step. They never right. look. They look like Joe Philbin, who looks like that sort of, you know, (laughs) the the bored yard gnome kind of figure. (laughs) I don't quite know how to describe Joe Philbin. I mean Joe Philbin's sort of indescribable in that he's so vanilla and plain. He's the whitest guy you know. (laughs) But I you know, and then I but so Buffalo this week will be interesting because Buffalo can score some points.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and that's, Buffalo
2: can play some defense, too. Yeah, so it's exactly. definitely going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah, and I don't suspect, uh, you know, something to segue on something you wrote earlier this week, Stephen, I don't expect Buffalo's defense just to kind of sit back on their hands again this week.
2: Well, uh, you know, Rich Ryan isn't scared of Ryan Tannehill, so mm-hmm. I, I expect he'll be blitzing and have his corners and press coverage and everything against Miami. Uh, I don't know why he didn't do it against uh, the Patriots, Garrett, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, uh it just it kinda boggles the mind, you know. Tom Brady uh draws back the pass like sixty five times and you only blitzed fifteen times. That 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 man did that piss me off watching it <laughs> on the coach's tape. I just you know, I was hoping I was thinking maybe they blitzed him too much and just got caught a few times slipping. No, you not only did you not blitz, but you also didn't cover worth the down. So, you know, take it. It's just pick. weird.
0: Yeah, I don't understand it. And even like you know, you said we were working on that piece, trying to find some plays and stuff to pull out and put in there, you know, for gifts or videos or whatever. And you're just like, well, just you know, you, you listed off a couple of plays, and you're like, any of these plays where they're only they've only they're only rushing four, and like it was almost every damn play. I couldn't believe it. You're either you got four, and those are you know they have a good front four, and that's which isn't to say that you know they can't do things with those four guys, but I mean they weren't doing shit.
1: And they weren't covering, even though they're dropping back. You know, seven. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird.
0: Well, yeah, or I mean, they'd have that weird linebacker. You know, they'd have li- they'd have Barrington on Deion Lewis, or you know, they'd have uh, a linebacker on Edelman or something like that. I just couldn't quite. And Joe
1: random or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so just it just didn't make a ton of sense to me what they were doing here after that, especially after you know being so good
1: that first week of the season. Well, yeah, and going I mean, f- back to last year, they were really good, too.
2: Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. I mean, the first week the first week that he blitzed uh, Andrew Luck 27 times. <laughs> literally, 27 times. And Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck dropped back the pass less times than Tom Brady did. And so my thing is, you know, Tom Brady basically played the whole game as if they were blitzing every play anyway. And that's why they got so many of those five-yard passes in, because he was just going on time, you know, three-step, bam. And so, my question is if you're not gonna actually blitz, why in the hell can't you cover a five fucking yard out? They literally <laughs> ran like 20 of them motherfuckers. It was just, I was like, seriously, y'all just not gonna cover this fucking five yard out from the slot. I mean, at the end of the, 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 the coaching tape, I'm ready to just go crazy. Like, how can you not cover it the whole fucking game? And they got murdered on those
0: plays. I mean, those plays would turn,
2: those con- consistently,
0: you. that Edelman touchdown there that was a, cross, a five-yard crosser that turned into
2: a, a 22-yard score. I mean, it was just all fucking day. It, it, was, it was amazing. And, and, you know, we talked so much shit about the Steelers. There were several times where, you know, Grunt is basically not uncovered, but he's got one guy on him who has no chance of actually defending him. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? You're rushing three or you're rushing four. Why can't you send another guy over there and help out with Gronk? It just it didn't make any damn sense in the world. <laughs> and the only thing I can come up with is he Rex Ryan lost his nerve. All that shit talking, all that, we're going to be a bully. Do you use the opposite of a bully on Sunday?
0: Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, uh, he coached, how, he's, his whole head coaching career has been in the AFC East against. Belichick and Brady and the record you know sort of speaks to that I just which you think I mean you'd think like it, well, with the Gronk thing it's like well it's not like Gronkowski is just some guy out of nowhere you know you know like uh Crockett Gilmore out of Baltimore or some <laughs> tight end you know you've never freaking heard of and then all of a sudden oh yeah we better cover this Gronkowski fellow he seems to be a uh, kind of good at the game of football
1: that's just mystifying to me
0: Yeah, it's really a stretch. It's really a stretch. The Steelers, I I don't know. They're one of those teams, um, to to jump ahead here, the Steelers are one of those teams, to me, that look both good and bad so far this season. The defense, not super impressive. Offense, pretty good, especially considering they don't have Le'Veon Bell just yet, which is sort of a Mm -hmm. repeat of last year. They get Bell back this week, and they play in St. Louis, and I think um, (laughs) it'll be the... uh, (laughs) It'll be the most well attended Rams game this year because the literally the sports stores in the mall in St. St. Louis has this big mall, you know, like thing. And uh the sports store in there. Somebody tweeted a picture of it. Has a Cardinals, you know, the baseball Cardinals display and a Steelers display. <laughs> it gives you a little hint about Shameless. football in St. Louis. But uh Le'Veon Bell is back this week against the Rams and uh if they employ a scheme like Washington did last week, Le'Veon Bell might be a guy to watch, huh?
2: I think he's a guy to watch regardless. You know, he, he, he's he got those fresh legs. Yeah. And, you know, after you've been playing games for two weeks, you know, guys are just starting to get that, that, that soreness in the knees and the joints. And he hasn't even been, you know, through any of that. So, you know, he's well-rested. He ought to, you know really be ready to go. He's probably going to look like he's moving at a different speed on Sunday. And I expect them to, you know, just feed that guy the football a lot this weekend. Mm-hmm. I think not
1: even only in the run game, but they're probably, he's. I think he's going to eat in the pass game too. You know, especially with the Rams playing such deep coverage all the time, you know, the cushion of death. Oh. Uh, I think the underneath stuff is going to be huge for Bell. And he's, he's probably just going to go off him, him and Antonio Brown, um, you know, I think that those two guys obviously are going to be like feasting on, on that uh, St. Louis defense this week just because they're so good underneath. Um, you know, they might not have as much success going deep. You never know, but with the way that the Rams have been playing, such co- soft coverage, I think that, you know, I'm guessing, you know, Roethlisberger kind of take what that he's given and they're just going to freaking go off underneath on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the one thing I'm looking at that game with the Rams is how – Donald matches up with uh, who's the who's the center Pittsburgh has now with Pouncey out
1: I don't even know off the top of my head
0: but that's kind of the matchup I'm kind of looking ahead I'm kind of wondering about because it seems like that is where you know the the game could get interesting unless they do what Washington did Uh, Stephen I want to ask you more about that because that was a really fascinating piece as a Rams fan but also just as somebody who's kind of been watching the, the league so far this season, but uh, Washington's run scheme last week, they really took, they washed Aaron Donald right out of it, and that's not easy to do.
2: Right. Well, here's what they did they kind of dictated uh, which side Aaron Donald would, would line up to, mm-hmm. and then, you know, they blocked him accordingly. It, it, it's almost impossible to block this kid one on one or, you know, zone uh, type. Blocks or what have you, but if, for instance, you do a, a down and around with the tackle and the guard, where the tackle blocks down and the guard kind of uh, 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 pulls out uh, uh, to the strong side, now you can get a wash down because you know he doesn't have, um, he's not very big, you know, he's not you know a three hundred fifty pound guy, he's not very tall, so he, he's always trying to get off the ball real fast, but that makes you more susceptible to being pushed. Laterally, you know, and plus he can't really see the block coming. So they made it so that, um, first of all, they were going to kind of outnumber the Rams up front with two tight ends in the game, sometimes three. And also that, you know, they wouldn't allow Aaron Donald to be a factor by kind of, you know, running the zone schemes and stuff like that, where he can blow up the guard and get in the backfield and, and turn the running back back they washed him down with those down and around schemes so that he wasn't even a factor in the play. And, uh, you know, all day, they didn't feature those sets exclusively, but just about all day when they actually ran out of those two tight end sets, they got positive yards.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Was, uh, is, is that, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't really watch the Washington game in week one closely, but that was kind of interesting too. It was interesting to see Schreff, who got, uh, you know, a heap of crap in the preseason for his play, but has looked, you know, in that game at least against the Rams, looked pretty good. <laughs> so you've
1: been playing guard or tackle? Guard. Okay. He's yeah, playing
2: guard, but now they're putting him in very favorable situations, though, and, yeah. and, and that, that's why he looks so much better now. And that's kind of why, you know, we're going back to preseason, why I say don't put so much in the preseason because this is not the kind of play calling you're going to see on offense or defense generally during, during the regular season. Yeah. You know, you might want to see if he can zone block, uh, you know, a three technique during the preseason. Once you figure out he can't, then you say, well, we're going to change with this blocking scheme and, and have these down in the rounds or, have you going up to the linebacker instead of trying to, you know, reach somebody. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's worked out. He's a big, strong guy. He's, he's athletic. There's a reason why they took him in the first round. And I think, you know, that's what you really want to see out of a team. You want to see them put their uh, – all their players, really, but especially their top draft picks, in the in a position to succeed. And I think that they've done an excellent job uh, in Washington at helping sure, uh succeed without it running the scheme.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to ask your players to do something they're incapable of doing or not very good at doing. Even that was kind of what I was like thinking about when I was looking at the Eagles too. It's with with Byron Maxwell. It's just like that's what I was worried about when he went to you know when he went out on free agency. I'm like, if he plays in a uh, scheme that's not Seattle-esque, it's it's going to be interesting because they gave him a hell of a lot of money. And then are they going to ask him to do something totally different? And, and you know, obviously they've done a little bit different, and the early returns have been terrible. So it's the same point. It's, it's an interesting thing that, you know, surprisingly teams don't really do enough, I think, is is play to the strengths of their players.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and what's funny is you've seen that. Look at who the two best team. I mean, I think the two... Best teams that are really sort of undisputedly the best right now. I mean, after two weeks. I mean, you got to come with that caveat out there. It's only been two (laughs) weeks. But the Patriots and the Packers. Yep. No, it's obviously it's easier when you have Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. It makes life a whole lot easier. But, I mean, well, I guess maybe we should put the uh, the Bengals on there. John Harbaugh says that they're the most talented team in the NFL right now.
2: And they do look pretty good. I mean, they have a very talented roster. We know, basically, what the Achilles heel is uh, of the Bengals, and that's their quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, when he's actually playing well, they are very hard to beat. And he's playing well. The, the, yeah, I'd actually put the Cardinals in that, in that conversation yeah. as well, though. Uh, they're pushing the ball down the field, man. And, and, you know, Larry Fitzgerald ate last week three touchdowns, I think, but that's the one thing that stands out when you watch them play, man. They are going to push the ball down the field. They are going to test your cornerbacks and see if they can hold up, you know, on the deep ball. Mm-hmm. And I actually like to see it from them because it's very, very aggressive. And you might as well do that if you got Carson Palmer in his last couple of years uh, in the league.
0: Yeah, and that's what – and it was kind of funny too because then you had Bruce Aarons yesterday – told his team that was sort of the you know, one thing that came out of the, the, you know, the afternoon practice report yesterday in Arizona was that uh, Arians went in and told his team that they were 2-0. and oh, It didn't mean shit. <laughs> and I was joking around. It's like, man, someday somebody's going to pay Bruce Arians $500 to have him yell at him about eating carbs or something like that. <laughs> but it's true, too, though. I mean, you're 2-0. and oh, It doesn't mean shit right now.
1: Yeah, they But man, they do look good. They, uh, I think a lot of people didn't really know what to expect from them this year. I th- I know that football outsiders wasn't very high on them. Um, and they lost their defensive coordinator in bowls who highly respected guy, but we talked about it before the season, man, those guys are aggressive. They they like have that, um, you know, just fuck it mentality. Like sucks. let's throw it down the field. Let's blitz the hell out of everyone. Let's fly around. Let's hit people in the mouth. I really actually like their style um, a lot. And they're actually, you know, playing really well on special teams, too. You know, that David Johnson kid -hmm. looks pretty good. Like, has three touchdowns already, I think, in two games. So, um, yeah, they're looking really, really good. They could be kind of one of the, not surprise, like, elite teams in the NFC, but... um, I guess sort of surprising because you know they had their they had no quarterback all last year so and we're kind of now seeing what they can do with, with a good player there
0: well I think one reason uh, people kind of were not super excited about the Cardinals going to the season was everyone sort of like a the Carson Palmer Paul, Paul, bleh, bleh, Carson Palmer's health and questions about their offensive line but their offensive line's been real I mean at least as far as pass blocking goes has been really good this season so far again two games but Carson Palmer hasn't been sacked. He hasn't been pressured a whole lot so far either.
1: Yeah, he's been he's been not shy about throwing it. So, um, they're a fun team to watch. They got the good receivers. They've got, you know, they've got decent running backs. David Johnson's kind of emerging and um,
0: offensive line. I mean, the state of offensive line. If you have a good offensive line in the NFL right now, you've got a shot, no matter how good or bad the pieces around them are, because. The state of offensive line play in the NFL is just is terrible.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting for sure. I like name the teams that have good offensive lines. Like you got Dallas. Uh, <laughs> go down the list from there. I don't even know. It seems like everybody. Ravens, I think. Yeah, the Ravens. I guess I haven't watched the the uh, the Cardinals' offensive line particularly, but um, you know the results are. Good that you can assume they're doing good enough, you know? But it seems like they're struggling.
0: Well, and that's what's kind of funny about Dallas. The Dallas offensive line is all that, and then now you've got Tony Romo out for eight weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And their run game really hasn't gotten going yet. Uh, No, it really
0: hasn't been. It's really been kind of under. I was just looking at the numbers here, and Joseph Randall's got the most carries. He's got
1: 3.4 yards per
0: attempt. McFadden, 2.9 yards per attempt.
1: Get Kristen Michael in there, the savior. What are you waiting for? <laughs> I think uh, I have to Jason, do
2: something. Jason Garrett says something like, uh, Well, you know, it's rough being a fourth string running back. <laughs> you don't get that many reps. <laughs> Damn it, Michael. Okay. All
0: right. are, now, how screwed are the Cowboys right now, this season with Romo and Bryant's injuries?
1: I mean, it doesn't look good. I, you know, they could probably. It'll be really interesting. They could survive it. How, how long is uh, Romo's going to be out? Like eight weeks or seven weeks? I mean,
0: I think the sort of accepted window is eight weeks.
1: Yeah. I think their margin for error is really, really low. It's going to hurt them a lot. You know, it's just so hard to win in the NFL with a backup quarterback, especially when you're not, you know, I mean their defenses look better than expected again, but you're not dealing with like an elite defense flood of depth. Um, their offense was kind of their identity, I think, last year, and so not having Romo in there is, you know, huge because Whedon's nowhere near what Romo is, and so, um, you know, it, it definitely hurts a lot. It, it'll be interesting to see if they can do what the uh, what the Cardinals did last year and kind of survive. Um, but I just don't see it. I, I don't think that their defense is as good as the Cardinals was last year, and um, I don't know. It's just it just hurts too much to not have your quarterback out there.
0: Steven, you think the, what do you think about the Cowboys without Romo and Dez?
2: Oh, they're fucking screwed. I mean, <laughs> there's, no, there's no two ways about it, man. Uh, Brandon Whedon is just, he's just a guy. He's a jag, you know, and and most times he's probably going to hurt you more than help you in his career. So, uh, he, uh, you know, Jerry Jones seems to be very excited about Brandon Whedon, but he's probably about the only person in Dallas that actually gets excited <laughs> when you say his name. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe you can see him surviving if Dez wasn't out too, but now your top receiver is out and your, and your starting quarterback is out. Look, That's a tough road to hold for any backup quarterback, but I think especially so for a guy as limited as Brandon Whedon. So uh, they're screwed. You know, they needed that offense to kind of take some pressure off of their defense. The defense has played well so far. They're going to get, you know, some help pretty soon. Uh, uh, Randy Gregory, has been heard he should come back at some point. Greg Hardy will come off the suspended list soon, but I just don't think there's enough on defense, man, to actually lead this team the way the offense was supposed to.
0: No, and it's interesting. I'm looking at their schedule right now, and this week they play the Falcons on Sunday. Well, the Falcons are a much better team than, uh, than I think a lot of people sort of anticipated coming into this season. Um, then they play the Saints, which I think the way the Saints are playing right now could be sort of a push. Um but then in week five it's the Patriots. So well that's you know obviously a tough one. And then they've got a bye, and then they've got the Giants, and then they got the Seahawks, and then they got the Eagles, and then they got the Bucks, and then they got the Dolphins, and then you're looking at Thanksgiving week at that point, week twelve, which is when Romo could be back and they have the Panthers. So it's not The hardest schedule in the NFL, but it's not an easy one either. So, like, 4-4 seems like a stretch, though. (laughs) I mean, even suddenly, like, a Giants game, like, you just like, oh, yeah, they'll win that, no problem. But now, like, as bad as the Giants are, they could probably beat the Cowboys without Romo and Dez unless, you know, they choke it away in the fourth quarter again. Exactly. As they've been wont to do this year. (laughs) I mean, maybe yeah. what maybe what saves them is being in the NFC East because the NFC East right now looks terrible.
1: Yeah, Stephen, do you think that Washington are contenders or pretenders at this point?
2: Well, I mean, they're one and one, so they're kind of, you know, that's about right. I think they're about a 500 sure. ball club. Um, I, I do think they, they played a lot better on offense against the Rams than they had against uh, the Dolphins, and I kind of owe that to having a better game plan as well. So it remains to be seen. I think they're, they're very talented. Uh, you know, when they get Deshaun Jackson back off the hamstring injury, they'll be even better. Uh, but, you know, they got Kirk Cousins at quarterback. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't really think a uh, Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins quarterback team is probably going to be much more than a 500 ball club ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that's about spot on.
0: Well, let's use that. Let's talk let, The Tonight's game is Washington at the Giants. Um. First, Im- first impressions.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I. It's funny because I actually like the Giants more than I think probably ninety five percent of people. Not that's not to say that I like them a lot. I just think when they kind of get into their groove on offense, they can they can really move the ball. And you know, it obviously depends on what Eli you're getting, mm-hmm. but. Um. Cable but I mean, yeah, Jack it's, it's interesting. What's
0: that? I said Cable versus direct DirecTV, Eli.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, because I I like their weapons on offense a lot. Um, obviously, Odell Beckham is game changer. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy who can actually, like, take over a game. So um, <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see this matchup. But um, I think I like, you know, this might be blasphemous. I think I like the Giants more than I like Washington. I don't know if it, if that's... Uh, you know, really going out on a limb or anything, but um, I just think that in terms of offensive weapons, off like like you said, you got about a five hundred team with with uh, Kirk Cousins, but I think with Eli, he's kind of the X factor. If he if he's on his game, they're a lot better than I think people make them out to be.
2: Steven? um, I'm actually gonna go with uh, Danny. I would pick the giants tonight. Uh, I just think that look, they, they've they been in both games that they've lost to begin the season. Probably should have won both games uh, right there at the end and just couldn't, you know, finish it off. Uh, and, and I think they have played better, especially on defense than most of us thought they would so far. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Washington, I still don't trust them. Uh, like I said, Kirk Cousins is their quarterback, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, um, and, and they know him. You know, the, the, They're in the division, so uh, they know Kirk Cousins. They know what his limitations are. I expect they're going to try to pressure him and make him push the ball out there quickly and jump on the short routes and probably get a pick or two. Uh, but it's a Thursday night football game, so, so who knows? You know, the, these Thursday night games tend to just be crazy, either very, very boring or, or very, very exciting in the worst possible way imaginable. So uh, it, it's hard, you know, to pick Thursday night games anyway, but I'm going to go with the Giants.
0: Yeah, this really is sort of the first Thursday um, night football-looking Thursday night football, Thursday
1: night football <laughs> yeah. game of the season. We're
0: barreling on toward that Titans-Jaguars matchup <laughs> later, in the, later this fall, I could tell you. Uh, you know, it's interesting, too, without, I was just, that made me think of Jason Pierre-Paul, who now some people are saying the guy might not play at all this season.
1: Can you can you give me a refresher on what the deal is with him? Like is it just the injury or is there contract related cuz I, I haven't been paying close to, too close of attention to that. What is his deal?
0: Well, I mean, my part of it is the hand issue and they don't I think that the Giants never got a full picture of, you know, what was what up with this? his hand and he's miss, missing part of his thumb and maybe has problems with a couple of his fingers on that hand that obviously was hurt in the fireworks accident. Um, you know, they they franchise they they gave him the franchise offer, they signed they didn't pull it, they signed he signed it. So okay. he's getting paid, but okay. I think it's now but you know the Giants don't really have much of a pass rush right now without him.
1: Yeah. I mean that would be huge if they could get him back this year, but so it's now it's looking like he might not come back at all?
0: Uh, that's what some people are saying. But I don't know. I now Stephen, this is something you and I kind of had an email exchange about this, but like what? I mean I guess I don't understand like how the fingers necessarily affect, you know, a defensive end. I mean, I, yeah, you got to you've got to be able to wrap and tackle, but I mean, I, I guess I don't know how how do fingers play into an in, I mean an injury like that into what Jason Pierre-Paul does on the field.
2: Well, it, 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 it's just hard to say to be honest with you because. I mean, how many guys have played defensive line without all, the, all their fingers? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think if you, you know, went back through the whole history of football, uh, it's probably not very many, if any at all. <laughs> and this is not a situation where Jason uh, Pierre-Paul grew up this way. You know, this is a very recent uh, uh, situation for him. So things that he's used to doing, you're not going to miss it until you actually try to do it. Like, you know, so much about playing defensive line is coming off and losing your hands getting control of guys uh, to get off blocks, whether it be a pass block or, or a run block. But, you know, how does that feel with a finger missing? How does that feel, you know, when you go to slap somebody's hand down and a finger's missing? It's just so many variables. And, look, uh, you know, I talked about this, like you said, in our exchange. You know, I was one of those guys that taped my fingers up a lot. A lot of yeah. guys tape, tape their fingers together, uh, you know, whether there's nursing an injury, maybe you already uh, had a de- dislocated Finger, Or maybe you're trying to prevent your fingers from being dislocated. So would it feel that way? I, I just don't know. It's, it's, it hasn't been done that we know of. And even if it had, it probably has been done by somebody who grew up that way. So you know, I know a lot of people try to say it doesn't make that much of a difference, but I don't see how you can say that if you have never gone through it.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. You know, I mean, you see sometimes the guys like that have a hand injury and their hands like taped up completely like, you know, those club hands or whatever. <laughs> but you see more I guess with I've seen some offensive linemen with it, but yeah, you know, it's just a weird situation with Pierre Paul and it's it's uncharted territory um for the Giants who really need him could really use him in the lineup because they don't have much in the way of a pass rush right now and you have to have a pass rush to win in the NFL today so um any other games stand out to you guys this week I mean everybody's kind of down on the schedule but it seems like you know I'm looking at it like that's Cincinnati I mean if Baltimore plays the way they've been playing it might not be much but if Baltimore plays a little bit more you know, closer to what people have sort of expected of them coming in the season, that Cincinnati Baltimore game could end up being a pretty good one.
1: That looks like one of the best ones on the on the docket this week. I think the uh the Chargers Vikings game could be pretty interesting. Those are two teams that, you know mm-hmm. the Vikings played better last week. They they looked awful week one. But I, I think, you know, based on the preseason hype they're better than that. Um and then obviously the Chargers played pretty well on the road last week. Almost beat the Bengals in their place. I think that they're a good team, and so that'll be an interesting game for me. I, I think I'll be looking forward to watching that one.
2: Um, I, I think the Baltimore, uh, Cincinnati game is by far the best on 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 the menu this weekend. And for no other reason, then the desperation that the Ravens have to feel at zero and two, going against a two and uh division rival in the Bengals. So. Um, I expect, you know, the Ravens to let it all hang out. you got to be desperate at at this point for a win, especially knowing that, you know, you you go up against a a division rival, uh, and if you fall too far behind, there's just no catching up. So uh, I expect that to be probably the most competitive game this weekend, and and really it's a pick for me. I'm just not sure, you know, when, when somebody's backed up against the wall the way the Ravens are, I'm not sure how much talent the Bengals have will make much of a difference. Yeah,
1: the other game I'm I'll be interested to watch is the Cardinals Niners. Oh uh, yeah, see who see who the Niners are. Are they that team we saw Week One, or are they the team we saw in, in Pittsburgh? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I just think the the way the Cardinals are playing, they can kind of set you know they can basically put the NFC West on on notice if if they kind of destroy the Niners in this one. So that'll be an interesting game to watch for me too, just because. I don't know the Niners they're just weird they 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 did the Jekyll and Hyde thing you know obviously no pun with uh with with uh Carlos Hyde but um they they definitely looked like a different identity in week two than week one and so see if they can get back to their identity in week three and you know when it's an NFC West game and um so yeah that that game I think will be interesting as well
0: yeah I'm kind of also too I'll mention this one and then we'll kind of wrap it up here because we're getting on but uh the, the Chiefs, I mean, obviously the Packers are favored, and, and for good reason. It's, it's a Monday night game at Lambeau. But the mm-hmm. Chiefs have a pretty good record on, I mean, historically at Lambeau. And the Chiefs' defense is still pretty intriguing to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, what they do offensively, we'll see. But, and the Packers' defense isn't anything to, to sneeze at, obviously. But uh, I'm always anxious to see that. those Monday night, Sometimes the Monday night games always kind of get wild in a good way, in a way that the Thursday night games don't.
1: So. Kind of interesting. The Packers have two primetime games in a row, Sunday night and Monday night football. Um I think the yeah, that game's gonna be really interesting as well. I like the Chiefs defense a lot. Um and they're the kind of team that can beat I think the Packers on the road. Um they're kind of built for that. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting. Yeah,
0: and that and uh Jimmy Clausen in Seattle. Who knows what'll happen.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so people are people are trying to wonder if they should start panicking in Seattle here. If Seahawks lose to the Bears at home next week, then that's when you can really start panicking. <laughs> I'll say that
0: if I mean, Cam Chancellor like, can't they, stop Jimmy Clausen,
1: <laughs> they lose to Jimmy Clausen, and potentially without Alshon Jeffrey in Seattle, yeah, then I think you know panic is pretty much you know I would recommend it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The season at that point is pretty much lost, I think. Which is interesting because, you know, whatever, it's only three games. But at the same time, it's like, okay, something is wrong if, if they lose this week.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously I probably wouldn't put too much money on the Bears. I think the odds for the Bears right now is they're the favorite t- to have the number one pick in the draft at this point. So, <laughs>
1: Last I saw, the the Seahawks were favored by, what, like 15 or something? And, and that was the biggest spread this year and it probably will end up being the biggest spread on yeah. the year
0: well that's funny though because those big double digit spreads like that are always a good for betters are, are usually pretty yeah. attractive because yeah. that's where teams have a tendency to, to beat the spread at any rate now let's not get carried away about the the, the winners beating the seahawks <laughs> in seattle for the seattle home opener nonetheless too so right right That'll
1: be a, with Am back. Hopefully that'll make a difference for them. I think their defensive sort of stem. them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It'll be a it'll be a it'll be a good one for Seattle, I guess. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> all right, folks, it's been a. it's been a good show. It's good to be back, back on the air and uh talking football again. Definitely. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's do it again next week.